Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see everyone in the drive-in and online and here on the plaza today. In the beginning of a new year, I, I, I love to think about what would God have for us in something new. And I always think that new is a really a great word. And, uh, and I love thinking about new things. One of my best friends loves, loves, loves new things. He had to get a new car. And he, I told him, why don't you just get a used one? Because, you know, the whole thing, he drives it off the lot and it, the value drops. And he said, there's no way in the world I've never bought a used car before. And I love the smell and the feel of a new car. But I thought, I was thinking that not, it's not always that new things are good. Have you ever been new and it wasn't all that good? If you reach in your memory bank and you think of how you felt if you were a new person, just the idea of have you ever felt new in a certain situation? I mean, how did you feel when, if you've ever had a new school that you went to, and you were the new kid in a new school. How many of you, have you ever experienced that before? Now, it's not always a great feeling in that situation. Or maybe you were invited to a party, and you didn't know anybody there, and you were the new friend who got invited to that party. And when you arrived at that home, all these people were enjoying each other's company like old friends, and you were the new one. That's not always a good feeling either. Or maybe you've moved into a new apartment or a new condo or a new neighborhood, and everyone else kind of had the whole neighborhood thing down already. You, they knew where to shop and where to get gas for their car. They knew where the best dry cleaner in the area is and the, in the schools and all of that, and you were new. How about you? Have you ever attended a church as a new person, a new church for the first time? And how did that feel? Attending a church for the first time is an interesting experience, and it also could be a revealing social experiment, I think. I got to visit some new churches, or I have over the, over the years, but this last year especially, I got to visit some churches that I've never been to before. So I was the new guy in these churches in these churches and I um it was so interesting to see cuz some churches try so hard. I mean they try hard it, maybe even I get the feeling sometimes it's maybe too hard to welcome the new guy. And so they had leaders assigned to look out for new people and so when I walked through the door Boom, they were right on me. And they were talking to me and trying to put a name tag on me and giving me all sorts of printed material and, and uh, showing me where things are at. And to a point, that's really nice. But in other situations, churches that I visited, um, they didn't seem to care about me at all. And that was a really a tough situation. I mean, I was looking for where are the restrooms you know, where, where should I sit? When will things start? 
you know, I was just looking around for all kinds of things, and no one seemed to even know I was the new guy or cared I was the new guy. And then other churches, most of them were just so naturally friendly, just organically hospitable, um, just the right amount of inquisitive about me, and they knew exactly when to end the conversation. Like, over, they didn't want to overstay their welcome um, in my life. And that was interesting. We had a board meeting this last week, and, and I sent the board an article, and the, the subject of the article was something to talk about for church leaders. And uh, it, it provoked a lot of discussion. And I'm, and I'm thinking now that if you're new, and when I talk about the board, you're thinking, what is that? And so if you're a board member and you're here today, would you stand up? Go ahead, guys. All right. So these are some of our board members right here. And you can take a seat now. Thanks for standing up. And, and thanks, congregation, for not applauding when they, when they stood up. <laughs> our board uh, oversees many aspects of Nova Community Church's ministry. They shepherd people, they lead people. A major part of that uh, construction and remodel and the open campaign was led and the oversight of the construction and how the, the money and the checks get written out are overseen by the board. They work with the church staff to shepherd and lead Nova Community Church. And so I sent them this article because I thought it was really interesting. And in this article, let me, let me just read you this, this portion. It said, There are various ways that churches come to be. Most were planted, though some came to be from the merger of established churches. Now, if you don't know this, Nova Community Church 10 years ago was a merger of two established churches, Hope Chapel Gateway and Pacific View Church, were the predecessor churches. And 10 years ago, we merged and became Nova Community Church. So it says, most were planted, though some came to be from the merger of established churches. But don't forget that every church in this country started as a church plant, as a new church. If we were to plant a church, here's the question. If we were to plant a church in 2022 at the site where our church currently exists, what would it be like? So if we were to plant a church on this current site right here, what would that church be like? What would we focus on? What would we teach and talk about when we gather? And who would, be, who would we be looking to invite to join us? Really good questions for the leadership and for everybody to think about. You know, in the beginning of every new year, I like to lead and encourage the church family to look forward and to open our eyes to see what God has for us in the new year. And one of the ways that we do this is we recast vision and we restate the mission of God and we recommit to the values that we have as a church. And recasting vision and restating our mission and recommitting to our values is what an, an experienced pastor often does in a new calendar year. 
But for this year, for some reason, it seems so structurally corporate and organizationally boring and stiff to do that. You see, the, for me, I think about the church, I think about all of you, and the expression of who God made us to be is way more exciting and way more dynamic and way more unleashed and powerful and unchained and without borders than something like restating our vision and, and recommitting to the mission. And all those things are good. But therefore, instead of preaching through this sermon series on these um, common organizational or corporate leadership methods, we're going to look at the Word of God and we're going to look at the scriptures to explore the metaphors or the word pictures of the church. And we're calling this series that we're beginning today Ecclesiology, the study of the church. And in the Bible, there's no less than eight word pictures or metaphors of the church, and each one of them are significant. If you look at your notes, they're stated in your notes. And so pull up your notes on your phone, that digital copy of your notes, and let's take a look at this. Which is most familiar to you as we kind of look through these eight word pictures of the church in this series? And, and which is new for you? Which is something that you really didn't know? We're going to take a look at Ecclesia. And it's, it's, it's going to be what we're going to talk about today. And then we're going to take a look at the family of God, that word picture of familial relationships. And I think you've heard it or you've experienced it that when someone calls you brother or sister at church, it's that family relationship. And we'll take a look at that. We'll also take a look at the word picture of, the, of God's flock, the relationship between shepherd and sheep. We'll take a look at God's temple and the significance of God dwelling amongst us. As the church, the church is also called the Bride of Christ, and it's the covenant between Jesus and his church. We'll take a look at the body of Christ and how the body functions <clears throat> with members, and each member is gifted, and each member has a function. And so when a member doesn't function, the body breaks down somehow, and that's going to be a really important message. We'll take a look at the household of God and how the church conducts itself. It's God's house. And then we'll take a look at God's field and the fruitfulness and the growth of the church. The, the idea of it being a field or a vineyard and then the relationship between the vine and the branches. It, that's going to be a, a really a great message. Today we'll take a look at We'll take a look at ecclesia, and we'll explore this Greek word, often translated church, ecclesia. Now, ecclesia is the Greek word that's used in the New Testament that's translated most of the time in our English Bibles as the word church. And it's important for us to explore because there's many misconceptions regarding the church, not just out there in the world, but also for those of us who are churchgoers, who are Christians. And the first point we can make here is ecclesia describes a gathering of people for a reason, a purpose, or calling. That's what ecclesia is. It's a gathering of people for a reason, 
or for a purpose or for a calling. Now, ecclesia is not just a religious word. Like in our English language, the word church is an exclusively religious word. Ecclesia is not, though. If you take a look at Acts chapter 19, and we'll take a look at non-religious ideas of this word ecclesia. In the context of this passage, people were very upset, especially the silversmiths and the craftsmen who built idols that people worship, these silver or gold or metal or, or uh, um, artisan idols that people would worship. And their businesses were in danger because of the preaching of the gospel, and people were told not to serve these idols, not to worship these idols made by human hands. So a riot ensues, and they all enter this theater yelling and screaming and arguing. And we're told in verse 32 of Acts chapter 19 this. It says, the assembly was in confusion. The word assembly, in your notes there, it's underlined, is the word ecclesia. It's not a religious word. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. Acts chapter 19, verse 32. Now take a look at a little bit further down in Acts chapter uh, 19, verses 38 and 39. And these are the words of a town clerk. The last words, the last word here in verse 39 is assembly, or the word ecclesia in Greek. And he's talking about an assembly, this town clerk is, where people, that people in the city were often called to in order to air their grievances and to talk about grievances. If you take a look at verse 38, it says, If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls, lawyers there, and they can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal ecclesia, or assembly. So you can see here it's not exclusively a religious word. So in all these verses, this word is translated assembly. In, in the, the, the Greek word, a word, the word ekklesia simply describes a group of people called out for a reason or purpose. And it's not exclusively a religious word. Now with this in mind, let's talk about the ekklesia of Jesus. Now, what was the common uses usage of ecclesia in the first century. Understanding this has helped us to understand what the church is really about. Whenever we think of the church and the community of Jesus's people, we should not think of buildings or clergy or church leaders or institutions or denominations. Instead, we need to think about people because that's what ecclesia is. The word church in the in the New Testament, never refers to a building or a place. Now, we often say things like this. It's common sort of English conversational language when someone says, hey, what church do you go to, right? What are they, what are they thinking? Or, or um, did you go to church today? Or maybe as you're pulling out today and your neighbor sees you and you're saying, no, I'm just going to church. It's, it's an interesting thing because it's part of our language. Or maybe you'll say, hey, let's stop by church to see how that remodel's going. Now, these are common phrases, common expressions, and most of us understand this common way we talk about church. But our words matter, and the nuance of words shape our thinking. 
And many times our thinking guides our actions. Now church, another point in your notes, always refers to a community of people called out for a purpose. Church always refers to a community of people. It never refers to a building or a place. <clears throat> but it's always about people. Now the sub-point here is church could refer to the total number of believers worldwide. And some people call this the church universal or the capital C church. Now in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating passage. It says, this is Jesus' Jesus's words and it says, And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In this verse, Jesus is teaching his disciples the foundation or the bedrock principle that his church, his group of people, would be built upon something. Now, a lot of people think that this is, on this rock, he's speaking of Peter, but that's really not what he's saying. The foundation of the church would be built upon Jesus himself. And every person who is willing to profess what Peter did in the verses previous to this, that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and if that person decides to be a follower of Jesus, he's part of the community of people called the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, and verses 22, it says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now this is referring to the whole number of, re of the redeemed who look to Christ for their life and their authority, the church. Another point here, the last point here is, church could refer to the local group of believers. It could, it could refer to the church universal, all believers throughout the world in, on, the whole, um, on the whole planet, and it also could refer to a local group of believers. The second way that the word ecclesia is used is in reference to God's people. It's talking about a community or a group of Christians in a specific geographical area. And what we see in the scriptures is that when the gospel reached different cities, when there were multiple disciples made in a certain geographical area, they would be called the church in this specific city or town. Acts chapter 11, verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. So this is this group of people. It wasn't the building in Jerusalem, it was this group of people. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, it says, To the church of God in Corinth, the city in Corinth, and they gathered together. It was the group of people, it was always the people. In the New Testament, the word church is often used to refer to a group of people of believers in a local particular area or even a house that they met in. Now these are always ways to describe ourselves no matter what we call ourselves. We are just as much a local community of people called out and called Nova Community Church as much as we are this global community of people all over the world called to make disciples worldwide. The local ecclesia or church is people. And just as it was in the universal ecclesia or church, it's not an institution or organization. It's not some sort of business enterprise. Nova is a community of people called out to make disciples. 
Now, in this series, Ecclesiology, we're not going to just hear from people who are preaching the scriptures to us every week, but we're also going to hear from people of the community of called out ones. And at NOVA, we partner with uh, a group of people that we call our Global Missions Partners. These are vocational missionaries who are scattered throughout the world, in our nation and throughout the world, to make disciples to the ends of the earth. And it's a special privilege and responsibility of being a church that sends out one of these missionaries. Connor Edwards is raising support to be a campus missionary to the students at University of California at Davis. And I want you to to welcome him and I want to introduce you to our new homegrown, Nova-grown missionary, Connor Edwards. Would you welcome him? How's it going, Connor? Good, good. Good, good to hear that your microphone's working. Yep, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to turn it on. Yeah, me. tell me, we, we're talking about the church, the ecclesia, mm-hmm. local group of people and universal. And Tell us, what was your first experience at a church? Uh, so my first experience was 15 years ago at Hope Chapel Gateway, uh, joining the children's church. Wow, yeah, how old were you? I was probably uh, 10, 10 years old. Wow. And so what was that like? Tell us what your initial experiences were. Um, From what I remember, it was just um, pretty, it was a good experience. Uh, Didn't really think too much. I just knew, you know, I had to go there because I wasn't supposed to be at home alone uh, at 10. (laughs) So, um, but I had, uh, I met some uh, kids who went to my elementary school, so it was great to meet them on Sunday, but also see them uh, in my classes and all that. Great, great. Hey, how did you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yeah, so about, I would say about a couple years later, when I was in middle school, I went to a winter retreat, and, uh, you know, at the final day, they have uh, the speaker, you know, do the altar call or whatever you call it, Um, and I was very nervous to go up because I was still shy, and so but I remembered what he was saying or what to say when you want to make that decision. So I think it was about pretty, you know, well in the night and everyone was sleeping. And I just decided to do it on my own and, and that was it. Wow, yeah. that's great. Hey, tell us how the church has shaped your calling as a campus missionary. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely in light of um, Ecclesia, knowing that it's just a, a group of people of believers, a body of believers, and uh, just over the years being in different groups and bodies of believers, either on campus or when I was overseas in Japan, uh, just seeing the importance of having a, a body of believers, and especially on college campuses where, you know, with different things going around in the, the country, you know, culturally, politically, whatever, it's a very big hot spot of, of a lot of those ideas coming together and and it's a really big big need to have the gospel on uh, college campuses yeah hey tell us about what you're excited about you know you're getting getting ready to go to uh uc davis and Mm -hmm. what are you excited about in the ministry there at uc davis yeah well one of one of the things uh especially when you're 
uh, beginning of the sermon, just the idea of being somewhere new. And uh, Davis is a very new place for me. Um, so part of me is a little nervous, but I'm also very excited knowing that uh, just even just the city of Davis in general, about half of the population is college students because mm. it, it is a college town. So Half of the students, half uh, of the population. Probably, huh? at least. Wow, that's um, amazing. So, so my, when I just think about it um, right now is that even when I'm on campus, even and when I go off campus, more than likely I'll bump into some some students, um, either either intentionally or unintentionally. So that's something that's exciting um, yeah. when I go to UC Davis. That's great. Now I don't think I said it, but uh, you're going to be serving with Crew or Campus yes. Crusade for Christ. Yep. It used to be called that. Now it's called Crew Ex Ministry exactly. yep. at UC Davis. So we're excited for you. You're raising support right now, yep. and, and uh, we're going to be behind you and and praying for you and, and supporting you in that way. Would you do me a favor? Would you close us in a word of prayer right yeah, now? Yeah, of course. Yeah, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time of worship and this ecclesia of Nova Community Church. Uh, I pray that we may continue to be a community of people called out for the purpose of making disciples and making you known to our neighbors, our workplaces, and to college campuses and beyond. And may we find joy knowing that church is much more than a building, but a global and local body of believers. Empower us today and for the rest of the week to use what we learned today for your glory. And this is in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.